those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. It said, as you hunger and thirst and are willing to lay down your lives, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, and you hunger and thirst after my righteousness, you will be filled. There is an outpouring that's coming to the nations. And the Lord will say that there is no fire without a sacrifice. There is no fire without a sacrifice. And my fire is coming upon the nation. My fire is going to burn out the things in your heart that does not belong to me, says the Lord. But you must give yourself as a sacrifice upon the altar, says the Lord. Lay down your life as a holy, pleasing sacrifice unto me. And my fire shall fall upon you will burn out and prepare you. He is preparing the bride for his soon return. And the Lord says that you must let go of everything that I called you to let go of. And you must not look behind, but look forward. For my kingdom is coming, and my kingdom is in you. And that you need to rise up, my children, and share the gospel that goes around you. Rise up and be a light in this dark and wicked and perverse generation. Bring yourselves as a holy living sacrifice unto my throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You told it very clearly, Lord. I heard it this morning on one of the preachers on the radio. I hear it now in my heart. If any of you wish to come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to take up our cross, but it's pretty hard. We can't do it without you. Many wish to come after you. Take up your cross, an instrument of death, and follow Jesus. We love you, Lord. Burn out those wicked things within our hearts, within our minds, Lord, so that we can serve you fully and completely. Lord, we confess our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities, our sins of omission and commission. Lord, we confess everything. We're sinners that fall short of your glory. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. And we thank you for that, Lord. We don't have to try to work our way to heaven because you already provided the way to heaven. All we got to do is get on the ship, take up our cross daily and follow you. Lord, help us to do that this year. We need all the help we can get. As you well said, this is a perverse and wicked generation, and we're stuck in this miry pit. And we pray that you put our feet upon a solid rock, Lord God, the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Lord, use us in a mighty way this week. I don't care if there's two people or 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. You can use, and you can change the world, and you can bring people into the kingdom Father, with just a word from your scriptures, Lord God, help us today to be powerful, equipped, well, well, can I say, disciplined soldiers of Jesus Christ. And to you be the glory for it all. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. God bless everybody. You may be seated. For those online that just tuned in, I want to... Welcome you to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. We're a full gospel, Bible-believing church. We believe the Bible is totally accurate. There is nothing wrong with any single verse. Therefore, we preach every single verse and take it as, as the Lord leads us. So, um, so uh, if, you're, if you're interested in a Bible-preaching church, you know, that believes the whole gospel, the whole Bible, then and Freedom Church may be a place you want to visit. So we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida. If you're local, we're at the West Palm Beach area. High Paluxo Road is the north border of Boynton Beach and the south border of Lantana. And we'd be glad to have you. We're only a quarter mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo Road. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. And we also have a men's Bible study that is not aired, but, but it's here on Saturday mornings at 9. And we have a good old time. We're usually not out of here before 12. I mean, that's how much teaching and fellowship we get. You can leave at any time after the teaching, of course, but we just fellowship and love on one another. And that's rare for men. That is really rare, you know. 
So um, come on out if you're if you uh, local men on Saturday at 9 a.m. Sunday at 10 a.m. Tune in to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I mean, while you're online at freedomchurchpb.org, you can check out what we believe in. You can see our list of ministries. And, you know, ministries have been affected deeply because of the COVID for the last two and a half years or so. But, um, you know, you can also watch past services. You can even donate online should the Lord uh, lead you to. So we're, we're, um, we're Bible-believing church. You know, we just have boxes in the back. We depend on the support, you know, from, from the, uh, the congregation, whether you're online or, or here. We believe unless the Lord builds a house, we're laboring in vain, so I don't have to spend a whole lot of time on that. So, um, you know, if God leads, give. And thank you for being a cheerful giver. Listen, we're in. Uh, we're going to have communion now, so I would like to. Um, Theron's going to pass out the elements. Our deacon, one of our deacons, is Theron's going to pass out the element. Or, um, and um, I'm going to invite you to turn to, if you have your Bibles out, Matthew uh, 20. Thank you, Theron. Matthew uh, 26, and I'm going to read. Uh, verses 26 onward to 31, 32 actually. <clears throat> and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. It's the Passover here. Blessed, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took up the cup and gave thanks. And he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the cup of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in, the, in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So listen, Jesus is instituting the new covenant here. The old covenant is now gone. You know, it's, it's there. It's to be believed in it. But, you know, it, Jesus has fulfilled. That was a covenant of death, you know, because we could not keep the Ten Commandments. And if you did, you couldn't keep the other 603 in the Bibles. There's a total of 613 commandments in the Bible. And we're guilty of at least some of them. And therefore, we need a Savior. But if you did pass the test and or guilty or not guilty of any of the 613, you still have the original sin from Adam and Eve. So you're a sinner. You've got to face it. And, you know, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive it, your sins. Jesus is instituting the new covenant. Drink of this cup, you know, and for this is his body that was broken for you. There's healing in the broken body of Christ. You've got to believe it. It's there. Healing not only for your physical self, your spiritual self, but your emotional self and everything else. Jesus conquered it all at the cross. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Here he is instituting the new covenant, which, he, which is shed for many for the remissions of your sins. His blood. By receiving him as your Savior, his blood, you know, he forgives your sin if you receive him as Savior by the blood that he has shed. Without the shedding of blood, says the scriptures, there is no remission for sin. None. Blood had to be shed. And here Jesus decided, not only did he give you agape, unconditional love, but atoning, redemptive love. He redeemed us, and we thank him for that. But he also warned the, the, the disciples that you're all going to be falling away because of me. Tonight, it's because it's, it's written in the scripture, you strike the shepherd, and the sheep will, will scatter. And was, that's a prophecy about Messiah. And, of course, we know that the sheep did scatter that night. Peter denied Jesus three times. So we know that this is... This is instituted today. So as we read from the scriptures, 
He told us to do this in remembrance of him in 1 in Corinthians 11. So we take communion in remembrance of him. Every day of our life, you're eating bread. Every day of your life, you're drinking juice or something. Every day of your life, you're supposed to be think about the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So let's partake together. And then he took the cup. He wants us all to remember the precious blood that was shed on this cross. Not particularly this particular cross, but on the cross. That blood. This is not, this is not just the blood of a bull or a goat. This is the blood of the almighty God. And please don't step on it carelessly. Because there's a punishment waiting for that. You've got to receive the blood willingly. So let's partake together, all of you that believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, you initiated a plan. You said the seed of a woman will crush Satan's skull and hit only bruise his heel, the Messiah's heel. And Lord, we thank you for initiating that plan. And Jesus, we thank you for coming and receiving the punishment that should have been laid on us, but it was laid on you because you loved us so deeply that there's no way a man could even match your, your amazing love, your agape, unconditional, atoning, redemptive love for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for doing what nobody else could do because of your love for us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you because if it wasn't for you speaking to us through in the people, whoever spoke to us, whatever, with scriptures that were spoke over a table, over a desk, or preached at a church service, or a, an evangelism crusade, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming into our hearts and revealing to us who Jesus is. And we also thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us the courage to say yes to Jesus. And we know you don't want any glory. We know that Jesus don't want any glory. We know that the Father receives glory through the Son, Jesus. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for revealing him to us so that the Father's plan could be initiated in our hearts. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Thank you. So I have a teaching here. Theron's going to pass out some uh, paper to you today. I don't know if we're going to get through all of it today. I doubt it. So we might be in it next week. Um, but uh, at least there's a lot into this chapter. This is actually a chapter where Paul who established the Colossi, the Church of Colossi, which is the Colossians, you know, he is praying for them. From my understanding, and this is a present epistle, and it, it is also said that Paul never visited Colossi. I'm not even sure that he ever did. But he loved these people because they loved Jesus. So I'm going to read, this. so this is, I, I put, titled this, A New Year's Prayer for Your Christian Walk. And Paul's got an outline on prayer here, how to pray, really, for, for people. So I'm going to read verses 9 through 14 out of the New King James Version, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. For this reason, I want to show, the, for this reason, since the day we heard it, Go back to verse 5. It says this. For, for this reason, the reason you heard it in the truth of the gospel. You heard it in the truth of the gospel it was preached to you. That's what he's telling them. Which has come to the Colossians, to the church of Colossae. He's talking about the Lord. For this reason, the gospel, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you 
and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in the wisdom and the spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood for forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist or even hold together. So in this this, this passage here, we see several points, and they're listed on your paper that is passed out. Paul is praying that they be filled with the knowledge of his will, of God's will. We're going we're gonna to tackle some scriptures on that as we move along. I'm going to go through all 12 of these quickly. Number two, he's praying that you be filled with all wisdom, you and I today. Number three, he's praying that the Colossian church and us today would be, be, be have fear, spiritual understanding. The Bible is not only literal, it's spiritual. So you can't take everything as a literal, literal thing. And what we just did, communion, is not a literal thing, even though you're, you're drinking and you're eating, but it's a spiritual thing. Your sins are forgiven as you believe in the precious blood shed for, from Jesus. You're, there's healing for your body as you believe. You have to have spiritual understanding. He's praying, number four, that they walk worthy of the Lord. Number five, he's praying that they walk pleasing to the Lord. God wants us to please him in our walk with him on earth today. Number six, he wants us to be fruitful in all good works. Number seven, he wants us to increase in knowledge of God. And that's what Paul is praying for the Colossian church. Number eight, Paul's praying to, for the Colossians to be strengthened with all might. I think of the scripture, Joshua 1 8. You know, to be, to um, have courage and, and strength. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So you're careful to do everything that's written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. He's praying for strength. And he goes on about strength in verse 9, uh, verse 10, I believe. Here's number 9 of why, what Paul's praying for the Colossians. He's praying that they have his glorious power. His glorious power, re referring to Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, whether you know it or not. Whether you use it or not is up to you. He have all his glorious power. Jesus even said, and I got it there in John 12, uh, 14, 12, greater work shall you do than what Jesus did. Listen, that sounds hard, but you know what? The greatest work of all is leading another person to salvation. It's not healing the, the blind or the lame walking. That's nice. I like that. But God's concerned about your soul. He's not, he is concerned about your body. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be in good health. But he wants you to know that you can. There is healing in him. You can, there is healing. The, the gifts of the Holy Spirit did not quit when the last apostle died. Who's the last apostle? You can't find that out. Some people believe it was, was John, the last apostle. How, how about Paul? What happened to Paul? You know, well, he was gone. Well, how about, how about um, you know, the other patriarchs of the Bible, you know, written in, in 300 A.D., 400 A.D.? You know, those, those people like, 
you know, and I can't think of their names right now, but you know what? They were saved. Is he the last apostle? How about the apostles today? And a lot of people don't believe there are apostles today. Apostle is a sent one. He goes, he's sent out. I've seen apostles working in other countries around the world, like Guatemala. I saw one young man, he wasn't any older than Max over here, 23 years old. And he started like 30 churches. You know what he was? The Lord revealed it to me. He was an apostle preaching the gospel, and he would make rounds at every church. He would appoint elders in the church, and then he would make rounds and go to every church. When I first saw him, I said, who's that kid? They said, he's the apostle who started these churches. I'm there like, wow. You know what? He was sent to start churches, just like, you know, missionaries are actually bordering right on that, if not completely. Um, you know, you, you know he, he's praying that you have his glorious power. Paul's also praying for the Colossians to have all patience. He's praying also for have all long-suffering. And he's praying also for the Church of Colossae to have joy. So these are things, and there's more to it, but we're going to go through them a little bit, one at a time. I wanted you to see, this is Paul's prayer. This is Paul's prayer. So the first one, as we read it, why Paul is, his prayer is that they be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Well, you know, Micah 6.8 tells us in the Old Testament that he hath showed us what's good and right and what the Lord requires of us, we people today. The Lord requires of us to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. We're to know what he requires of us. The knowledge is so important. Also, he's telling us, you know, that, that we need to walk worthy of the Lord. Here it is in Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to the saints of Colossae and the saints today. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect, will of God. We are not uh, to be conformed to this world. We aren't supposed to fit into the unrighteous crowd. We're to stand out like a sore thumb before them. When we go to a place, we should stand out loud, loud and clear to a, a congregation of unbelievers. To believers, we're same lights in the same world. Some are brighter than others, some are not. Galatians 5.13, one of our key verses for Freedom Church, is you were called to freedom, brothers, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh or to sin. You can't say, oh, well, I'm going to go out with that lady tonight, you know, that lady of the night. Don't abuse your grace. Don't, don't, don't jump into an opportunity to flesh because you can say, oh, God will forgive me. Well, he will forgive you, but the point is, you aren't acting accordingly. You need to walk worthy of the Lord. We need to look like Christians. Christians, like the apostles did in those days. They stood out everywhere they went. Oh, you were with him. I saw you with him. Peter, that was you. I know it was you. Your accent gives you away. Listen, we should stand out in the crowd. That's what, what Paul is telling the, the Colossian church, to be filled with the knowledge of his will, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly, to not being conformed to this world, but be renewed by the transforming of your mind. And then he's talking about, you know, to, to be filled with knowledge is to understand that because you have been set free, because your sins have been forgiven, you should not Make it an opportunity for the flesh so that you can sin and then confess it. God wants us to walk worthy. In other words, do not abuse grace. Paul said it in Romans 6. He said, what should I say then? Should I continue in sin that grace may abound? And he answers the question, God forbid, heaven's sake, no. We don't continue in sin if we can let God's grace abound. We're to walk worthy. We're to walk humbly before the Lord, knowing him. Number two of Paul's prayer is to be filled with all wisdom. 
You know the scriptures if you've been a believer for, for a while, Second Timothy one seventeen or one seven. For God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power and mind, of power and of love and of a sound mind. And a sound mind speaks of having wisdom. There's a lot of people in this world that have, they say have wisdom. If you took an IQ test, you know, you might, I don't know where you would rate. But what if they took an IQ test in the ways of God? You'd more likely to be, have a higher IQ than them. They have an IQ of this stinking world. You have an IQ in the Word of God. I guarantee you, I'll fail the test if you give me, uh, um, tell me to pass an IQ test, because it was written in, in the physical world, not in the spiritual world. See, because I don't know a lot of knowledge in the, in the worldly things. I know more knowledge in, in godly things. I would hope so, after 45 years of being a Christian. Okay? Yeah, the godly knowledge and worldly knowledge are two different things. But God gave you a sound mind. And a sound mind should tell you that he exists. Because you're without excuse. Just look at creation. Come on, tell me, tell me that your inward workings of your, your flesh isn't a marvel to you. And when a baby is born, tell me that isn't a marvel. You know what? When you look at a pigeon outside, tell me that that uh, that isn't a marvel of God, or a tree that's growing across, you know, in the field, or the flower. We gotta we gotta know these things. You are without excuse. The heavens declare the glory of God. Look at the moon; it's hanging up there on nothing, to which the earth is hanging up there on nothing, to which the sun is hanging up there on nothing, to which the Milky Way galaxy is hanging up there on nothing. You are without excuse. You're to be filled with wisdom. The wisdom to know there is a God. And he is available to you. He sent his son. To pay the price for your sins. Proverbs 1.7 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. Fools to stop eyes wisdom, says Proverbs 1.7. Listen. If you despise wisdom, it's nice to have wisdom of this world, but this isn't talking about wisdom of the world. It's talking about the wisdom of God. And there's a big difference between the wisdom of God. When I was an employer, at one time I had like 37 people working for me. And they wanted me to take an IQ test because, you know, they want to say I'm smarter than a boss. You know what? I refused it because I'm not going to do it because I know I'll come out lower. And I don't care because I don't want to have a lot of knowledge of this world. God created me uh, to give with a gift, and I've learned a lot of knowledge in that. I could teach you. But the point is, that isn't where my heart is. That isn't where your heart should be. That's what Paul's telling the Colossian church. Your heart shouldn't be in this stinking world. Your heart needs to be in the Lord and the Word of God. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This Bible instructs you how to get saved. You have been bitten by the poison of sin, which will bring death. And the antidote is in Christ Jesus. His blood redeems you so that you never have to die spiritually, that is. And you refuse that instruction. But you took the COVID shot. I don't want to get on that. You may have taken the COVID shot. Come on. I think going to bring me a big audience, I can tell you that. I don't care. I want you to know you put God above fear. You put God above everything. You don't despise the wisdom of God. The Word of God tells us you can move mountains out of your way. The Word of God tells you that you have the same spirit that, that lived in Christ lives in you. The same Holy Spirit. Elijah called out for a double portion of the spirit. You have the spirit in you today. You have more than a double portion. Don't you get it? And look at all the miracles that Elijah and Elisha did. Elisha did double because he asked for a double portion. God has filled you with his Holy Spirit. Not just a double portion. He has filled you, saturated you with the Holy Spirit. Every cell, every molecule. Somebody told me there's an even smaller, uh, smaller thing in the human body called a quark. 
I said, go fill every cork, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. He wants you to be filled with wisdom. And James tells us, and you know it, if you've been a Christian a while, one, James 1, 5 through 8, and I'm going to read it to you. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's all it takes. Ask of God, and he'll give you wisdom. But he's going to give it to all men liberally, and abraded not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith. You have to ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Why should you waver between two opinions, the world's opinion and God's opinion? You need to waver, you know, pull towards God, not wavering in your opinion, but have faith. For he that wavers is like the wave of, a, of the sea driven by the wind, which is, you know, not a rolling wave, as I say, crashing waves going every which way. Throw the bottle in, you could end up in China. A rolling wave, it'll come right back to you. But ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. Let him not think, man, think that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So if you're double-minded, if you waver between opinions, then you're a double-minded man. And that's a big thing. You know, Elijah cried it out from my Carmel. You know, why do you waver, Israelites, between two opinions? If Baal is God, serve him. If Jehovah's God, serve him. Well, they finally figured it out when the fire came crashing down. But the world seems to go away. That generation might have turned, but the next generation seems to get go off track again. Jonah went to Nineveh. He preached the gospel. The king repented. Everybody repented. 150 years later, Nahum went in to preach the gospel because the generation shifted away. And what happened? Nineveh got destroyed because they didn't repent that time. Only 150 years. God wants your generation and your children's generation and their children and their children up until the time he comes. Number number three, he's praying for them to have spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding. Spiritual ignorance is a constant source of error, instability, and sorrow. We need to have spiritual understanding. How do you get the spiritual understanding? Right here in the Word of God. And you don't just play Russian roulette with the Bible, open up the Bible and read a verse and all that's it. No. Wisdom doesn't take one part of an instruction and, and use it. It takes the whole instruction and uses it. You can't. You must have spiritual understanding. As I said earlier, the book Word of God is black ink on white paper, and it's actually literal if you read it that way. And it is literal, but it is also spiritual. Like I pointed out with communion, Jesus was actually literally giving them bread and wine to drink, but he was also teaching them a spiritual side to this, which hopefully I covered when we had communion. A, a little bit, okay? Our walk, then, is based on the knowledge of God in understanding his will. So our walk in Christ is based on the knowledge of knowing God in his will. And here's what, here's what um, we need to do. We need to teach accurately. The Word of God says that we need to handle the Word of God accurately, and we should know the, know the truth. We should handle the Word of God, which is a sword, as you well know. And if, you, if you've heard me up here many times, the sword of the Spirit does not kill people. It kills, it, it brings life to people. The sword of a man, which is literal, kills. But the Word of God brings life to that person. 
You got to handle accurately that sword, like a like a musketeer when you see them on TV. One hand behind their back, no shield. Well, God even gives you a shield, but I'm just using a, a musketeer for illustration. They know how to sword fight. They don't need a shield. They use their sword as their shield. They 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 accurately swing that sword, and when the right time comes, pierce. He does it. He accurately uses that sword. So it's like any of you that have weapons. You go to the gun range. You try to hit hit the bullseye, and a lot of times you miss. You've got to keep on trying and keep on shooting and testing and, and be, until you get accurate. We need to accurately handle the Word of God. How do we do that? It's listed in your notes. There's actually nine points I have here. Number one, according to the Word of God, you need to read it. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 17, 19. This is Moses speaking. It shall be with him that he shall read it all the days of his life. You are to read this Bible all the days of your life. This is the best-selling book of all time. It's number one selling of all years that have passed. There's more copies of this Bible than any other book in history. You're supposed to read it. It doesn't sit on your shelf or on top of your TV. Just to, for appearance sake, you need to read it. And the Bible's telling us you need to read it every day of your life. You know why? Because you get spiritual knowledge, spiritual understanding. Not only should you read it, but Joshua tells us that we should meditate on it. A person walked up to me not too long ago and says, uh, is meditation okay? I said, it depends on what you're meditating on. You meditate, this is talking about meditating on, on God, not humming. Talking about meditating on God. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. How often? Day and night. So that you're careful to do everything written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Listen, prosperity and success are talked about very few times in the Bible. This verse has both of them because you're meditating on it. You're meditating on the Word of God. You take a scripture and you meditate on it. That's how a lot of preachers get their sermons. Take a lot of scripture and meditate on it. And God usually gives them the plan. Not only are you supposed to read it and meditate on it, you are to obey it. King Saul didn't obey it and he was rebuked by God through Samuel. He was supposed to kill all the Amalekites. He didn't. He was to kill all the animals. He didn't. And then, to top it all off, because Samuel was late, he decided he was going to be priest. And he was going to offer the sacrifice. Well, there's only one prophet, priest, and king, and that's Jesus Christ. Some are prophets, and some are, are, some, some are priests, but there's only one, one um, God, you know, prophet, priest, and king. Samuel was a prophet and a priest, but he was not a king. Saul was a king, but he wasn't a priest. He wanted to be a priest, and he lost his kingship over it. And, of course, David, you know, was, was, uh, was uh, anointed. You to obey. Samuel told King Saul, God don't want these animals. God told you to kill all the Amalekites. And he said, to obey God is better than your sacrifice. He wanted to sacrifice those sheep. God told him to kill those sheep. To obey God was better. He was told to, to kill all the Amalekites, but he kept King Agag alive. And Samuel actually killed Agag because Saul wouldn't. Do you know who it was that killed Saul? An Amalekite. Saul might have saved his own life if he would just obey God, but he didn't. So not only are you supposed to read it, meditate on it, you're to obey it. And how do you, how do you, how can you do that? Well, you've got to memorize it. Here's what the scriptures say, Psalm 119. How does a young man, like Max here, 23, keep his way pure? By a keeping it according to God's word. That's how he does it. How does a young man keep his way, way 
How does a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to the word. The word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If you hide God's word in your heart, then you know the word of God. And when you want to do something that isn't right, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, oh, no. And then you stop because you know the word of God. As I said one time, people say, you know, the, you know God, Christ will set you free. You'll be free indeed. You know, yeah, that's right. You know, you must know the truth before it can set you free. So if you don't know it, then how are you going to, you know, you're going to read it, study it, memorize it, obey it, and you'll know the truth, and then it'll set you free. Because if you don't know it, it isn't going to come to truth, truth for you. You have to know the Word of God. So unless you know, it doesn't benefit you whatsoever, can I say. You need to memorize it, treasure it in your heart so you don't sin against God. Not only that, not only eat it, meditate it, obey it, memorize it, you are to eat it. Eat it. How do you eat the Word of God? I can't put this in my mouth and eat it. That isn't what God's talking about. He's talking about spiritually. You eat it. Here's what Jeremiah said. Your words were found when he cleaned out the temple. Your words were found, and I did eat them, and they became the joy and the delight of my heart. <laughs> Listen. He didn't eat the book. He didn't eat the scrolls. He ate and meditated and, and uh, digested what was written in it as he was eating it. Your words were found, and I did eat them, and they became the joy and the delight of my heart. So not only are you supposed to eat it, you're supposed to hear it. How are you going to know the Word of God if you don't hear the Word of God? And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's written right there for you in Romans uh, 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How are you going to be a good Christian if you don't go to church, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't memorize the Scriptures, if you don't obey the Scriptures? In order to obey, you have to know. You've got to hear the Word of God. So you shouldn't, you shouldn't, that's why... Hebrews, God tells us in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. But encourage one another, and all the more as the day draws near. You hear the word of God. You get encouraged through the word of God. Not only do you hear it, you need to study it. You have to study. Paul tells Timothy, and he's telling the Colossians right here, you need to study the word of God and show yourself approved as a workman who needs not to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth, which we already went through. You have to know the word to handle it accurately. If you don't know it, you might get yourself into a problem of sin that you never even recognized because you didn't know it was a sin. Not only do you read it, meditate it, on it, obey it, memorize it, eat it, hear it, you need to study it. Now you need to grow in it. You need to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord God Almighty. You need to give thanks to Him. You, you need to live it. You just don't, don't, you know, you don't just hear it, but you apply it in your life. When I was in the Bible college, I had a hard time with application. I'd read a scripture, you're supposed to preach on it, and you had to have an application, and I failed several papers over that until I understood what it meant. You need to apply what I just told you here. If it's not, if it don't apply to your life and went in this area and out the other, what good is it? You need to hear it and apply it. So that's where a lot of preachers, when they're done preaching, when they're ending their preaching, they, they get the application. What's this all about? Well, it's telling you you need to receive Christ as your Savior. He forgives you your sins, you know, and you need to ask him into your heart. That's what... You know, that may be the application. I don't know, whatever the application is. But not only can you do you live it, you know, you should, life should stand out from other people. You need to fall in love with the Messiah. It is written we have to fall in love with the Messiah. And I mentioned one time before, maybe a couple times before, we had a guy in this church. We led him to the Lord here. It was back almost eight years ago. We didn't even have the wall out here. He came from 
from uh, Massachusetts, no, Boston. He came from Boston. He comes down here with his family. His sister was in our church. He comes down here to stay with his sister. I'm preaching on the demoniac, okay? And I got to, I was talking about demoniac. He was cutting himself because because uh, he was possessed with a, or not possessed, but had a demon within him. And uh, after the service, he came up and he said, Pastor Joe, he says, um, I didn't know that you cut yourselves as was demonically inclined. And he rolled up his sleeves and both of his arms were covered with, with you know, cuts. And right there, he bowed his head and accepted Jesus as his Savior. And he stayed here for a couple years. And then he went back to his old ways. And he actually, he's actually gone now. You know why? He didn't apply it. He applied it for a while, but he didn't apply it. And I love him to death. I miss him. He's a good guy. He didn't apply it. You need to follow Well, what he said to me, I can't, when he was starting to slip back after a year or two, he said to me, I can't love Jesus. He's a man. And I said, that's your whole problem. He is not a, just a man. He is the son of man, but he's God. He's the son of God. You aren't loving him because you want to hop in the sack with him. You, you love him because he's God. That's a whole different love. The world has erotic love. And all, you know, several phileo love, you name it, storge love. But agape love's hard to, hard to beat. You can't have agape love completely. You know, because agape love includes atoning sacrifice, and you can't do it. But we can try. We can try to get, have agape love, unconditional love, no matter what. The Bible tells us, and we know it, Revelation 2, 4, I have this against you. He's, Jesus is talking to the church. And in Revelation uh, 1, 8, remember I told you last week, here's, uh, here's what Jesus said in Revelation 1, 8. I am the light, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who was and who is and who is to come, the Almighty. Jesus just put, he just addressed himself as the Almighty. Not along with the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Come on, he's the Almighty. He's not just a man, he's Almighty God in flesh, clothed with flesh. If you read Hebrews 10, 10, 5, it says a body was prepared for him. You, you got to fall in love with Messiah. I have this against you. You left your first love. A lot of people out here, you know, over the last year, 19, or 2022, a lot of them turned back to their old ways. Well, it's time to come home. It's time to come back to your first love. The one when you recognized him as your Savior, your Lord, and your God. It's time to come home. To fall in love with. That's the application with this half of the... Half of this message right here. Come home. Turn back. As we started this message today, if anyone wishes to come after Jesus, take up your cross daily and follow me. In other words, cross, symbol of death, die. Take up your instrument of death and die and follow Jesus. Come back. That's my application for you today in the church here, and I'm going to end it here. And then here's how you do it. Same verse, same chapter, Revelation 2, verse 5. You need to, you've left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. You were up here, and now you're, your feet are in the miry pit. Well, you need to get your feet out of the miry pit, Psalm 40, verse 1, and sit them on a solid rock again, who is Jesus Christ. Remember from the height from which you were fallen. You were a, a glorified saint whose flame was burning brightly. You need to repent and do the things you did at first. That's what you have to do. There's a consequence, too, according to this verse. 
else I am coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of the place unless you repent. I don't want to get into that. I want you to come to the Lord. Come back to the Lord. As far as removing your, your lampstand and repentance, you need to repent of your sins. If you confess your sins, that's repentance. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So, if you haven't done that, please do it today. I'm going to start next week back on the next part that we, we, we need to touch on, which is the sixth point of Paul's how to pray to the Colossians. But for you out there over the Internet, or you that are here today need to renew your commitment and return to your first love, do it. The Holy Spirit's there. He's going to help you, and he'll give you strength again. He gave you strength to do it for a while, whether it was a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it's time to come home. It's time to come home and fall back in love with Jesus. Father God, today we come to you and we thank you, Lord. This is a whole new year. This is a year, Lord, I pray that, that, that the gospel goes forth in a powerful way, Lord God. I pray that people's hearts will be opened and ripe for the gospel message. And you will cause a great revival, not just in America, and not just the world, but within our own hearts, because that's where it starts. Fire us up again, Lord. Don't take our lampstands, but fire us back up for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, everybody. God bless you all. I love you. Happy New Year.